0: Welcome listeners to Novanti-Gymnastics, the show where I force non-gymnasts to talk about gymnastics with me. And today we have my friend Kelly. So Kelly, I'm going to open the floor for you to do a little introduction about yourself and what you're doing.
1: Thank you, Megan. I'm excited to be on this podcast and especially this episode. And I am a project manager by trade, but I have aspirations for something bigger and more meaningful in my life. So of course, Megan and I have a podcast called your future therapist podcast, and that is my end goals to become a therapist. So I'm back in school. I'm doing that. And I have, I think about four more years. Um, And I'm married and I have two adult children and a grandchild and Life is very full and, uh, very busy with lots of different things, which I, I've found that I would have it no other way. So Mm. I'm excited to talk about gymnastics, which is something I know nothing
0: about. All right. Well, that was going to be my first question is what is your gymnastics exposure that you've had?
1: So I think, um, I know that I grew up in Davis, California, and I know maybe when I was seven or so, my mom put me in like a beginner gymnastics class and it was this enormous room with all of these, you know, equipment that I knew nothing about. And they put me with a group that actually was more advanced than beginners. They weren't advanced, but they were definitely Mm -hmm. not beginners Mm -hmm. and uh, they could do back bending things. I don't know mm-hmm. the terminology, but I couldn't do any of that. And, mm-hmm. and so it was very intimidating and it felt, did not feel super welcoming. Yeah, of course. Um, And so I just remember not loving it, but, yeah. and then mm-hmm. of course, like Olympics, <laughs> you know, watching that on television mm-hmm. is just, it, they're so amazing that these athletes yeah. are so amazing. So,
0: yeah. Um. So my next question is what, what are your Kind of overall reactions when you do watch gymnastics.
1: Well, I know. Um, so i I should say, like, I uh, I've played, you know, volleyball, and I swam, and it swimming in particular is very technique oriented. And so when I watch gymnastics, that's kind of where my mind goes to, mm-hmm. and the like total control of your body um, in order to do the things that gymnasts do is just really mind boggling to me. Um, Mm -hmm. but that is kind of where my mind goes when I watch is just, I don't understand the technique, but I can absolutely appreciate the amount of control and understanding of their own bodies in order to perform is Mm -hmm. it is mind
0: boggling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it is. Um, even as somebody who did it, so I did gymnastics for, you know, 21 years, I finally quit. And even, you know, as somebody who went through that heavily for most of my life, it's still like pretty wild to think about just that, that people can do that sort of stuff with their bodies and people can have that amount of control. It's yeah, (laughs) it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, Okay. Another question that I was going to ask you, which you already kind of answered is how, is there any sort of relation that you have to gymnastics and you talked about with swimming and with volleyball. And so you have, you have knowledge of how to have control over your body. So if you feel like you've already answered that, you can say I'm done, but if you have well, anything, I, more mean, to say, I will say
1: know. I didn't, I, what I didn't want to do was compare those two sports to the, uh, immense Control of a gymnast, so it it is very different. I I know that, but I I think that those ties of just performance, like old uh, optimal performance, mm-hmm. and technique being a part of that, um, mm-hmm. is really interesting to me. So I would say that's the tie that I make back and forth between you know the sports I played and watching gymnastics.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's I mean I think that pretty much every person on the planet who's ever seen gymnastics in any capacity understands that it's a it is a totally different type of mm-hmm. sport than most of the other ones but it but there are definitely are still things that are related to other sports and so um it's kind of fun to hear people who especially people who are athletes or people who have done anything anything that might in some way be related to gymnastics you know with mental processes or with physical mm-hmm. activity. It's it's always interesting to hear how people do kind of make those connections in their in their head So yeah,
1: the um, mental part yeah. is a whole nother it's level. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole nother level. I mean, you know, just getting ready part for, for a, a match or a swim meet and stuff is, I mean, there's actual danger in gymnastics. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I'm just making the grand, you know, I've seen who was it? No, it's dangerous. Terry shrug. I don't remember shrug. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, whatever was going on with her ankle and, Mm -hmm. and, and then to, well, that's a whole nother subject is the pushing through that type of injury for the gold is a whole nother thing. But, um, yeah, so I'm really curious to ask you a lot of questions about mental preparation and Mm -hmm. because of
0: the danger, you know, Mm -hmm. thinking about
1: Mm -hmm. that and the precision that's really needed is insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you watch gymnastics when, whenever it is televised, which is almost never. That is very true. When you say how, like, um... I don't, I mean, I'm just curious. I think that the only way that people in America really can watch it is when it's on NBC. That's the only way Or, yeah, ma- that or I have ever. on ESPN. If sure. it's on. So yeah. I think anytime I ask people that question, it's probably going to be the same answer, but I, um, you know, I'm just, kind of
1: curious how it works and network television I say I would say is the only way I've ever watched it
0: it's it is just ridiculous I know that there's like no money in the sport and people don't care about a lot of sports that are smaller than you know the big money driven right yeah but it's Mm -hmm. so it's such a bummer because Mm -hmm. um I see like with American football and basketball and baseball those are the big three and how much And then soccer too, or football internationally, like how much people are so obsessed with those sports, which is fine if you want to be, but it's, I mean, they have, if you flip on ESPN at any point, it is like deep, deep analysis of anything that you could possibly think of that has to do with one of those sports. And it's just crazy because it's like, there's some other sports out there that you you can also do that with. And so I'm on a mission. I'm making it my life's mission to get gymnastics into the mainstream. Um. Okay. That. Um. Do you have any standout moments from the times that you have watched gymnastics?
1: Well, I that... mean, it's the majority of times that I've watched it are at the you know because of mm-hmm. the Olympics, and mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, I have it in those moments, and I'm watching gymnastics. I am rooting for Team USA. Yeah. And yeah. so it's. I, I mean it. It. I just because i have played sports and been part of team uh you know sports it it's definitely like spurs this like competitiveness and like pride mm-hmm. <laughs> um and gymnastics is no different when i watch it i mean I, you yeah. know i i'm screaming at the tv when i'm watching <laughs> swimming you know what i mean and yeah um and so yeah i'm not screaming when i watch gymnastics but it's definitely something that i love to watch and watch the team atmosphere and the celebration and, um, everything that they do looks so complicated and so amazing. And so I really do have to go off of like the commentators or the crowd
0: mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. order to un- like understand the gravity of like the situation. Right. So, right. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the team aspect of it because gymnastics is so stilted with how we're we are allowed to behave when we're competing or in practice. So we, it is, it's an individual sport, but there's, it's mostly an individual sport, but then there's team aspects of the competition. And then obviously something like the Olympics, everybody is competing for their country. So a little bit more team oriented, but everyone is um, taught. And I am hoping that that is shifting. The vibe of gymnastics in general is shifting, but everyone is taught to, be against each other and it is not like filled with camaraderie and so it's really really interesting to watch college gymnastics because it is like a completely different sport than elite gymnastics and so when I first like went to a college meet I remember when I was young I remember being like what the hell are all of these girls doing because they were all like so over the top excited for each other for every routine. And I was like, why are they so happy with that? And I was really judgmental. Like little Mm -hmm. Megan was so judgmental because that was absolutely not how we were allowed to act when I was on my teams when I was younger. And so it, and then, you know, of course I got older and I was like, Oh, they're just like allowed to have fun and allowed to support each other. That's what that means. And so it's interesting just when you said watching, the um watching the olympics which is mainly how you watch it and i think how most people watch it and you mentioned the team aspect of it because it's such a it is very very interesting the dynamic between gymnasts and even that's within all, the same yeah
1: team. everything you just said is all the behind the scenes that yeah. uh, that me as someone not in the sport would have yeah. no idea i would have totally thought that this team aspect which mm-hmm. they because really it's a team gold that you go for also yeah. right yeah yeah and so yeah, that's, I had no idea. And I mm-hmm. should mention one other thing that I, it's not like a direct tie, but when I was in middle school, what they call middle school it was junior high back then, mm-hmm. Um, there was a uh, gymnast that for a short period of time came to school at the school that I was at. And she was um going for the national team and then had to move to go and, um, you know, practice or participate with, with this team, I guess Mm -hmm. it might've been the national team. I'd have to figure it out and let you know, but her name was Elizabeth Crandall Mm -hmm. and she is, um, now the Cal Berkeley, um, coach with her husband for gymnastics. Oh, that's
0: very cool. Yeah. So that that you have that connection. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, okay. So there are some bad things that have come to light in the past, Mm -hmm. like five to 10 years. And then it's been getting more and more over the past couple of years, um, which is a good thing that it's all coming to light. And so just, that's a, a very, very, very big topic that I will be continually bringing up because I think it's really important to talk about. So just like quick thoughts on what you've, what, anything, you know, about it or any like reactions or anything, just cause I want, I just want the conversation to be in people's heads.
1: Yeah. That's um, okay. A couple of things. So I'm aware uh, and I've watched the documentaries that have come out and Mm -hmm. it's um, infuriating the levels of, I don't even know what the word is, but just um, the inability to tackle people of power Mm -hmm. and to hold them accountable early on, you know, when complaints first come, come forth. And, you know, I think even the FBI did not follow through Uh on several aspects or several um, issues. And it's just, I just overall, even with, uh, the gymnastics community, I just think anytime you put, um, non parents in charge of, young women who they are not family related it's, Mm -hmm. and obviously that's a whole nother subject too. But, um, I just think that there's a danger in giving too much trust to, uh, to other people who Mm -hmm. are supposed to be looking out for your children. And I, I just like, I am very bothered about, you know, national teams or competition at that level when they're so young being completely in the um, you know, being com- really impressionable, yeah, impressionable, and I mean, you don't question power. And I'm, I'm, yeah. a, make you know, based off of the sport in general, right, gymnastics, mm-hmm. but then also from the documentaries, it was you do not, not parents couldn't even question.
0: Oh no, 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 no. I mean, you know, you you are when you're in gymnastics, and again, I hope that this trend is shifting with the young gymnasts who are out there now, but you are constantly the the nature of the sport is that you were constantly being judged and you do these crazy things but if it's not legitimately perfect you're gonna get penalized for it in some way and so not only are you doing things that are super dangerous and unsafe and should be impossible for human bodies to do, you're you're Mm -hmm. having to do all of that. You're really young. Most gymnasts you know peak at like 20 years old and then men are usually a couple years later and then if you're old, if you're 25 and you're a female gymnast, you are considered a veteran at that age already. And so you're so young when all of this is happening. So not only do you have all of that, but you are constantly, it's just in your head that everything you're doing is supposed to be judged. And mm-hmm. so the idea of the, the people who are always judging you, y- you can't question them because they're judging you everything mm-hmm. that you're doing. So you, you know, it, it might be about your gymnastics, but really it's about everything that you, that you do. And so if a creepy doctor or, a, or, you know, a creepy team doctor or a creepy coach is doing inappropriate things to you, you're not allowed to question that because everything about what you do, everything about your whole life. At now at this point, if you're like at that level is uh, you're being judged <laughs> And somebody in power above you is telling you what to do constantly. And Mm -hmm. no, you cannot talk back (laughs) and you cannot question what your coaches are saying. That's absolutely not allowed. (laughs) So it's disgusting. It is disgusting. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it it is. Okay.
0: Well, on a happier note, I have a segment called, what would you say to Simone Biles, AKA WWYSTSB, AKA any athlete going through something mentally, super difficult, like what Simone Biles went through in the in the uh, Olympics a couple years ago, what would you say a quick little snippet of advice or something to any athlete going through that?
1: Has she already told me that she doesn't, she can't do it. Yeah. She's told you that she can't do it. Okay. So she's told me that she can't do it. So I would, um, I would two, I would take two routes simultaneously. One is tell her that she has to trust herself meaning if if her mind and body is saying that she that she can is unable to perform then she has to trust that she has had all this training all this mental work done but something is off she has to trust that
0: mm-hmm.
1: secondly i would tell her that also relying on all of her experience and to reflect like how is it something, if if the competition is important to her and she's to really, I guess, judge on some kind of scale, whether or not her, what she's feeling, that um, insecurity about not being able to stick it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, to do like just some deep thought, which I know she did, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. how how, like what, how on the edge is she for not, um, feeling that she can actually perform safely. Right. Mm -hmm. And if it's, if, if that's her bottom line, then that, that's what it is. I mean, I I don't know. I'm not, I mean, I think I've talked about how poor of a coach I was.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I I'm asking everybody, anybody that comes on the show, they're going to be asked this question. I think at
1: that level, you do have to have some really difficult conversations Mm -hmm. and they're freaking Olympians for, because they push themselves yeah. So I think that that question of are you are you able to push yourself through this has mm-hmm. to be talked about.
0: It's so um, funny how how many people were like, "She's an Olympic athlete. She needs to get over it." And it's like, she is an Olympic athlete. Do you think that she hasn't put in a ton of effort, right. and mental right. energy to well, get?
1: <laughs> you know what's crazy too, as as just somebody who's watching from very very afar, um. And I think that this is a maybe a generational thing, but mm. 20 years ago, would she have been able to step Absolutely forward not. and even, not even have
0: that conversation? Not even 20 years ago, Kelly. I mean, this is like 10, yeah. Yeah. This is, this was completely groundbreaking for the sport that she did this. And I mean, not even a couple, I mean, probably the previous Olympics, there Mm -hmm. were gymnasts who might not have had the exact same situation happen to them, but they were going through stuff because their, her former teammates from the previous Olympics have spoken about how, like, it was absolutely amazing that she did that, that she chose to not compete because she Mm -hmm. knew that she, her mental space was not okay for being able to move forward. And so four, well, five technically years previously, her teammates were like, Oh my God. I'm so glad that she did that. And so it, this is a very new thing to be able to do it, but definitely generational too. definitely yeah. 20 years ago, it was completely, completely different.
1: Well, I will just say also something that was different about the, the, just the Olympics, uh, the last Olympics was from the swimming side. We had Caleb dress dress I think is mm-hmm. his name crying um, yeah. at, because they would, show, uh, like do a video conference of family members with the gold medalists. Mm-hmm. And so when he saw his family mm-hmm. on the video, he just completely broke down. Yeah. I've never seen that, right. never seen that. Right. Mm-hmm. And he even said, I think how difficult mentally this has been, yeah. um, you know, the, the Olympics and training and COVID and all of yeah. those things. And so, I just thought like what Simone did and witnessing a man cry on, you know, network television and say how, like to confess how difficult this has been, um, was wonderful. Not that they're going through it, but just wonderful that they could display that and feel so confident in themselves to be able to be authentic.
0: I love it. Yes. I love seeing big time athletes cry because, you know, we, we look at them as these people that, you know, they can push through all of that and not have any emotions, but we all have emotions and it's a big deal because when they cry, then that means that the rest of us can cry.
1: Well, but also it proves that that old school mentality mm. of you persevere through everything and you show no emotions because you're a freaking machine um, is mm. actually a lie.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. It's Mm -hmm. not
1: a barrier to success as everyone, you know, projected or tried to convince you. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, It's actually part of being human. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Great advice for Simone Biles and any gymnast going or any athlete going through that. Um, Okay. So you watch Oksana Trusavitna, which is like, they, we're calling her the the stream that that I sent to you the stream that I watched they were calling her a veteran and they're like we can't even call her a veteran because she's so beyond a veteran status that we need something else so i mean she's our queen she is our gymnastics queen for sure and she has been to eight olympics and 17 world championships just an fyi for the listeners I so think about eight olympics <laughs> think about going to eight olympics i mean people who have gone to 3 is like crazy And she's been to eight. She is 47 years old and she's still competing. And after the last Olympics, um, we all kind of thought that she was going to be done. I mean, I feel like we've thought that she was going to be done for the last like five Olympics, but um, I definitely thought that she was going to be done. And it turns out she's not. Turns out she's at the Doha World Cup apparatus finals, which happened in February. So we're going back a couple months. We're well into the competition. This is this year. Yes, this is this year. (laughs) Um, And so I'm going back through because I'm notoriously bad at keeping up with any sports, anything, just an FYI for everybody. So I'm going back and watching competitions throughout, you know, from this year to kind of get up to speed on stuff. And uh, so, Kelly, I sent you the couple minutes of Oksana competing. And so we're going to play that and um, and then we're going to just talk about it.
1: Okay, and it should be also sharing the audio so if people mm-hmm. can't see this, so ready?
2: Mm-hmm. ...increased difficulty with her second vault, which is gonna to start to put her into play in vault competitions if she carries on in that vein. Oksana Trusovitna of Uzbekistan, 47 year old, fourth strongest in qualification. Very nice beginning. What a super first vault from the veteran. Now her average score was 12.899. That would be enough to put her into the lead. Not put her into the lead, so I put her onto the podium. Excuse me. spring front pipe with a half turn 12.633
1: does everyone get two chances
2: at this competition
1: yeah okay
0: and then they take the average of the scores
1: okay 12.7
2: So up just a fraction from qualification, and she's in line to make it onto the podium because the second vault is, if we see the same as qualification, the more difficult one for the gymnast Uzbekistan. And that is a very good final from uh, Oksana Chusevitna. Really impressive gymnastics from the veteran of veterans. We need to find a new word for her. To call her a veteran is uh, just too gentle a term for somebody with her longevity the veteran's veteran, perhaps. Parting from the Tukahara family. Half turn onto the table. That layout position with a full twist Now, Oksana Chusevitna has won a medal in her last eight World Cup events, going back to Doha in 2019. And guess what? She's done it again. 12.916, a 13.133, and that now makes it, by my count, nine World Cup medals in a row for Oksana Chusevitna of Uzbekistan. Above her, Camille Rasmussen of Denmark, a second World Cup silver for her, and the title won by...
1: Okay, Kelly, what are your thoughts? (laughs) First of all, when I saw her, my brain was trying to figure out how old she is, and Mm. um, I felt bad doing that. But at the same time, just years of watching gymnastics I know that gymnasts are typically and women are Mm. younger like teenagers um and so that was the first thing and then secondly she was giving off Peaky Blinder vibes with her haircut and I freaking love that I know she's
0: such a badass she always like Yeah. She always looks really cool. Loved it. Loved it. And
1: then, and then my mind just started going to how many years she's been competing at a very high level
0: Yeah,
1: and what, like what her regimen is just in life. I'm so curious about her and obviously incredibly fit and I and 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 then I just had questions about what she was doing on the vault, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I noticed, uh, you know, a one hop on the first try, and then not not a hop on it. The, so there were just some things that I had questions, and also is it one tenth that separated her from first place, one tenth of a point? Uh, no, almost one point. So the well, almost so one, first place or nine tenths. Sorry, sorry, yes, sorry, yes, sorry yes, nine tenths. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. And a lot of that was um, also the difficulty level too. So sh- her execution was pretty good, um, but her difficulty was lower. And that's not saying like loser, her difficulty was lower. No. It is just, I mean, it's still amazing. She's still got third place for the, for the finals. So just because her difficulty was lower does that, you know, that's right. no. not saying a lot.
1: <laughs> so. And so how they calculate the points m- just minus the difficulty is that a subjective
0: calculation from the judges? Um, Yes. So the, so the difficulty that comes from, there's a code of points, which is a big fat book or PDF online you can find too um, that has every single skill that any gymnast does on any event. And it is the difficulty value of it. So the, the international Federation gymnastics committee, they, have had this for I mean when I was in gymnastics we had a literally a binder and we would go through the pages and like see what the point value and stuff was for everything so everything has a value a difficulty value assigned to it and a cool thing that can happen is if you um, are the first person to perform a new skill at a international competition then you can get it named after you so many 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 skills are named after people um because, you know, they started with a short, a smaller number and then it's grown a lot from there. And there's a lot of fairly common skills that people do that have last names. So a lot of them have, you know, um, Eastern European sounding last names because those were the dominating gymnasts for a long time. And so, um, anyway, so yeah, they all have an assigned value. Um, and then they're in the code of points. They have a breakdown of exactly what sort of, um, body error movement will take off a certain amount of points and so that it's all supposed to be completely um objective it's (laughs) and it's usually not usually if you're listening to especially the the U.S. commentators of course that's who I listen to the most because that's what I have the most access to they are not afraid to be like what were the judges thinking like that there are so many things and so Almost none of us are ever on the judge's side, just so you know, okay. but, um, but yeah, so the, the objective value is the difficulty value. And then the, the execution value is also supposed to be objective. And it usually, it usually isn't people usually are not pleased with what the score ends up being, because there should be many routines that well, have much higher execution and do, scores. And do the judges represent countries or are they like part of the organization? Yeah, they're like, part, yeah, they're like chosen by the committee. You have to go through okay. lots and lots of training. So like theoretically, it should be not biased at all. And it's usually right. not necessarily biased. It's more that they're, they will never, you can't get a 10.0 type of score anymore, ever. Okay. And so somebody can do a routine where it's like, okay, I can see how they took a couple tents off because of, you know, leg separation or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can see some things. And vault, for example, usually has a higher execution score because there's only one skill. So mm-hmm. every time you have, you do a skill, then you have a chance to get points taken off. And so uh, balance beam usually has a lot of execution points taken off because you're wobbling around like crazy. There's so many opportunities to make little errors and then the floor routines are usually long. And so there's a lot of opportunities for the errors. So vault, theoretically, they should be getting close to a perfect execution score because there's only one skill and yet <laughs> they still find a way to take off like two full points of so, execution, which doesn't really make sense.
1: So a perfect 10 though, there were 12 points.
0: Now they don't use the 10.0 scoring system, but the execution, the execution is out of 10 points. And so then your difficulty value is not out of a certain number of points, but usually like it's somewhere between somewhere in the four and five point something range is what the difficulty value is. Um, and so a good score is like, depending on the event, like 13 to 15 is somewhere in there is where you want to be. Okay. Um, and actually the Olympics does a good job now of, um, of showing, and I think the world championships, when they do the broadcast, they do a good job of showing like, okay, this is a range where, you know, this is kind of a, like a yellow zone where this is, this is doing okay. The green zone for oh, this. Yes. So uh, the, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. I, so I think
0: that. that they're starting to think about people who who don't really, um, know that much about the scoring and, uh, kind of helping them out. And also even people who are in gymnastics still have a hard time figuring out the scoring because they change it a lot of the, like constantly, and they're always coming up with new, really stupid rules and stuff. So it's kind of a little bit mind boggling and confusing, but anyways, that's basically how that works. Did that answer your, yeah, any <clears> your questions? It did. Okay. excuse me. Yep. Do you have any other, any other things that you wanted to bring up about it or any questions?
1: I mean, I just. Obviously, she's still performing at such a high level, Mm -hmm. but I do imagine that, you know, after she turned, let's just say 25, what culturally within gymnastics it must have been like
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for her to persevere through whatever discrimination or, you Mm -hmm. know, biases and all of that, that might have come her way. Do you know if she struggled with any of that or
0: was faced with any of that? I'm sure she was, and I don't actually know. Um, But I would imagine that it was probably a combination just with my experience of gymnastics. It was probably a combination of people telling her, you know, she's too old or, or whatever, but then also people really admiring her for it because mm-hmm. gymnasts know that their time in high level gymnastics is so short and so you know, quote unquote, older gymnasts who are still competing are amazing. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's really, really cool when you're a gymnast and there's somebody who's 10 years older than you, that's still doing it. And so it was my guess is it probably was a combination. She's from Uzbekistan. And so I don't know if, you know, they specifically in Uzbekistan and their culture that that was different, or maybe in, you know, in Eastern Europe or something, if that was, uh, if that was any different than over here, but I can imagine it was both. She probably has gone a ton of shit for being too old, but she also keeps going to the Olympics and keeps getting medals. And so she's kind of consistently proving everybody wrong, even if they are telling her that she is too old.
1: How many, or and you might not know this, but how many other gymnasts are in their mid thirties right now competing? Do you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Probably less than five is my guess I mean, at the elite level. I mean, there might, there's probably a couple men. And then I think there might be one female that Chelsea Memel, she was in the Olympics. God, I can't remember now. I think 2008. Um, and then she came and then she had a couple kids and then she came back. And she was 33 or something. I'm, okay. I'm guessing on the numbers, yeah. sorry, okay. somebody listening is probably going to know for sure. But it was crazy that she came back. And everybody was really excited for her and rooting for her. Everybody was really supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was pretty wild that somebody that old was coming back. So I think that there's probably a couple guys who are in their 30s. Um, and then there might be one who's a little older. But da- I mean, it is. I would be shocked if it was more than five total.
1: Well, and tell me this about, I, I mean, I do know some elite athletes and I understand the amount of time and dedication that they have to give to the sport. I mean, it's everything from eating to training, to Mm -hmm. the mental preparation and, Mm -hmm. um, to sustain that level of all of that. And Mm -hmm. she's 47. Like I, I mean, it's, and maybe things are changing from like when I was in college age, I'll just say, um, the, the expectation maybe of athletes is different for the balance. I don't know. I'm just wondering like, how has she, the being able to sustain her level of competition throughout these years is, is amazing.
0: It is absolutely amazing. And she also has a child in case anybody was wondering, she has gone through pregnancy and labor and still been doing this. And then her son had cancer and she went through that and still is an eight time Olympic athlete. And, you know, so um, it it is truly amazing. So when I was in gymnastics, we were doing in the, um, in the summers, we did five hours a day, five days a week. And then in the school season, we did four hours a day, five days a week. And so, so was that morning and night? No, it was just after it was like, it started at three 30 and went to seven 30 usually, um, Mondays And we weren't even like that good of a team compared to some of the other teams that were in our little area and then, or in our state, I should mm-hmm. say. And I was in Oregon and then Oregon was like horrible compared to many of the other states there were there's other states that are um much more gymnastics heavy and so they I mean there were and then there were gymnasts in Oregon who were at the really good gyms we were always really jealous of them because they were always really good but they were all homeschooled so they had a lot more time and they would do like six hours a day six days a week a lot of the time and this we weren't elite level gymnasts by the way we were just non-elite regular gymnasts (laughs) and so I am not sure how different or how varying the um, the practices are for elite gymnasts, I don't really know because it's pretty different from country to country, I would say, but it's, I mean, if we were doing 20 to 30 hours a week consistently not at an elite level, then I'm guessing that they probably practiced more than that. Okay. Or I she have, an, has I have another question. That. What's your question? Okay. So,
1: and I can only relate this to swimming okay, because I know that in the nineties, the way that a swimmer trained was all about like tons of yardage. Right. Mm-hmm. But that has transitioned into, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not totally involved right now with swimming, but less yardage and more like cardio and weights and like, Mm -hmm. there's a balance between the two and maybe Mm -hmm. some people need more yardage, but, but it is more tailored to the athlete Mm -hmm. has gymnastics transitioned or morphed into a different style or way of training.
0: I think, and again, I don't, I don't have much experience with this, with gyms other than where I was at, Mm -hmm. but I, we would do in the summers when we had our longer practices, because we weren't at school, so we would start practicing earlier. It would be like a midday sort of practice rather than evening. Um, We would do about an hour of stretching every day. We would, some days do literally 45 minutes of splits. And then we would (laughs) usually do at least an hour of conditioning at the end. And then everything in the middle was practicing on the events. And during the school year, we would do like... 15, 30 minutes of or probably like thirty to forty-five minutes of a warm-up and a stretching regimen in some way, and then we would do events, and then we would end with conditioning, and the conditioning would be like thirty minutes, and it would kind of depend on how mad the coaches were at us, how much conditioning we would have, oh and so gosh. all of our conditioning based on performance of the uh, practice, yeah, and also their mood, and also if one of the gymnasts talked back, then the whole team would be punished, and you know if you showed up one minute late, then you would have an extra thirty minutes of conditioning or whatever we all cried a lot. It was honestly terrible. I I hated it. And I don't know why I liked gymnastics looking back on it. Um, by the way, I'm really open about this. I'm all probably throughout my episodes for the listeners, share my share little snapshots of my stories and stuff, because I think it's really important to talk about and you can be alarmed that it happened, but I feel really comfortable with talking about it. Just Mm -hmm. a disclaimer to everybody. Um, but anyways, it, um, so all of our conditioning was just body weight conditioning. We did not do any weightlifting. We did not very much cardio beyond just our general, you know, routine practices. We didn't do like, you know, running for 30 minutes or that sort of cardio. So, um, it was all of our, um, I guess our conditioning type of strengthening and stretching, uh, exercises were based in gymnastics motion, so that we could build up the right uh, muscles for it. Because mm-hmm. if we if we did weightlifting, we would not be building up the right muscles to be able to do gymnastics skills. So, is it and like so, the yeah.
1: smaller muscle groups that you're working yeah. on, or
0: yeah, like it was just it was a lot of push ups, pull ups, chin ups, leg lifts, things that were like that were kind of mimicking aspects of mm-hmm. skills that we would do. And so it, it, and I'm glad that that's how it was because it it gave us the right type of strength because there's no there's just no way. just like I wouldn't be able to go be a swimmer just because mm-hmm. I right. had a you know good gymnastic strength. It's all building up those right types of muscles. So yeah, it was a lot of like that fine, fine muscle strength mm-hmm. and um, and stuff, but it was just, you know, just mimicking the motions of the skills that you'd be doing in general. So I don't know, I would imagine Oksana has been doing lots and lots of training, but it might be, it might be changing. I hope that it is where it's not necessarily training all day, every single day, but more efficient training rather than right. just exactly being there just because you, you should be there getting the hours in. So I'm hoping that that trend in general is shifting. And I know that the, the diets are much better, the gymnastics as a whole. And I don't know how much men had to deal with this because it's not really talked about. Um, and I don't know any men that had to deal with, you know, like anorexia type of mm-hmm. dietary issues because their, their gymnastics is so much more based on having incredible strength and you mm-hmm. have to eat enough to be able to build up the muscle mass. Muscle mass yeah. And so gymnasts in the Nadia Comaneci era, which is in the eighties, that was the anorexic era for sure. And it was I've recently actually somebody sent one of my internet friends sent a, a very, very chilling article about the Carolis who up until very recently, mm-hmm. were a big, big part of gymnastics. And they recently kind of secluded themselves into their little Caroli ranch and seem to not be in trouble, even though they should right. absolutely be arrested. Mm-hmm. But I, I uh, found or somebody sent me a very chilling article about how completely abusive and awful and like concentration camp style the the treatment was it was not just that they were mean to the gymnast it is so much worse than I even thought that it was it was so incredibly abusive and terrible and anyways so I know that that's not the um the main way that gymnasts are being treated now as far as not being allowed to eat right. <laughs> because the trend of the sport is to have more power for the women. I'm talking mm-hmm. mainly about women right now. Um, and uh, so, you know, Simone Biles is super powerful, super muscly, and she can't get that way if she wasn't allowed to eat. And so the, not that, you know, they're bulking up necessarily, but de- the skills, the trend for gymnastics in general is being focused on being stronger and having more power, which is good because mm-hmm. it's at least allowing the gymnast to be able to healthily eat or at least be closer to that, but um, I it's like a whole it's a whole thing to unpack. So who we don't know how um, healthy it actually is, but at least it's not as bad as it was. So I think that Oksana hopefully is experiencing a better time of it now, even yeah, even as she's older and has to be, I'm sure, much more careful with her body. At least the the trend is getting healthier. Um, so that
1: yeah, I mean, her. as you know, women approaching fifty go through hormonal changes right so, I mean even just it's yeah. wow she's amazing you know uh the adage like they don't build them like they used to you know oh, it's like yeah. she's she's definitely uh like a, built differently you know mentally yeah. and physically and all of that it's amazing
0: mm-hmm. it is amazing yeah. um well So for this vault, um, this vault portion of the competition, which we hardly even talked about because we just had, we were just talking very interestingly about Oksana, but um, the just a couple things that I thought to know. So Sabrina Maneka Voina, I think is how you pronounce her last name. Please somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Um, One of her vaults that she did was named after one of the judges who was judging her, which was really cool um, that connection. And then she was only 15 years old. And so not only is 15 years old, very, very young to be competing at that level it was her first, uh, senior competition. So she, you're junior up until the year that you're turning 16 and then you can okay. compete at the senior level. So this was her first senior competition. She made it to the vault finals, which is great. Um, but it's really cool that there's a 15 year old and a 47 year old competing in the same, Crazy. the same final. Wow. Um, and then I always want to talk about my favorite leotard of the gymnasts that we watched. And the, the best leotard goes to Daria Yasinskaya from, uh, I believe, Kazakhstan. And I didn't even write it down. Um, her leotard was red. And it had a little, like, cut out by her neck. And it was very cool. And I absolutely loved it. So she gets the best leotard. Kelly, what do you want to see more of on the leotards in 2023? Uh Wow. I mean, you can just make that would have been like the last thing. Let's
1: see. I mean, I guess like, yeah, like cutouts maybe like, you know, I don't know on the sides, kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's prom season or it was. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I see all these prom dresses and they've got like Mm -hmm. these little
0: cut, like triangular cutouts. I love it. No, I love it. I love seeing leotards like that. Let's get away from the really, really boring ones. Okay. Um, Kelly, where can people find you?
1: Oh, I'm in Woodland. No, I'm just kidding. Um, They can find me um, on the podcast, your future therapist podcast, Apple and Spotify and some others, uh, other areas that you can uh, listen. Kellynewsome.com. I am a life coach, future therapist. um, And then Instagram, Kelly underscore Newsome is my handle.
0: Cool. Uh, you can find me, Megan, at, at Novanti Hub is where this will be. Um, posted. You can also find me at my personal page at Megan Lachowski. And then you can find all the other projects that I'm a part of from there. I have a Harry Potter podcast called Peeves Gab Fest. I'm on the Your Future Therapist podcast with Kelly. I have lots and lots of projects going on. Oh, I also have a Cuban salsa based in Woodland, California. Um, and that's at Woodland Cuban Salsa. But you can find all of those links through Novanti and through my personal page. Um, and yeah, so we're going to keep doing more. We're going to do more episodes, Kelly. Cause I think that we just so barely scratched the surface of yeah. the gymnastics talks that we could have. So thank you for joining, go find Kelly at all of her places. I'll put those in the show notes and, um, any last thoughts?
1: No, but thank, well, thank you. Yes, thank you for course. having me on. And it was fascinating. I love the video aspect so that we could, you know, it's
0: new to me. So yes. to think of it this way. So I mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. All right. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you listeners. And we'll probably someday most likely be back.